Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Hi, I'm Mia Friedman, and welcome to a special four-part post-election bubble burst mini-series of No Filter. The guy I interview in today's episode of Bursting the Bubble actually inspired this whole series and this whole exercise. It was a few days after the election and I was at my very good friend Julia Baird's book launch. Someone said, oh, looking around this room, it's like my Twitter feed come to life. Everyone who was anyone was there, from Mike Baird, the Premier of New South Wales, to Peter Fitzsimons, Lisa Wilkinson, Mari Bashir, the former governor. It was just a cavalcade of pretty extraordinary people. And Rowan Dean was there as well. And Rowan is someone, he's a a right-wing commentator, I suppose, or conservative commentator. He's the editor of The Spectator Australia, which is a conservative publication. He's also a columnist for the Financial Review and the Courier Mail. He's on Sky News a lot. He's on the drum. Um, And I've been on the drum with him a few times and I've I've met him a few times and he, he must have seen me looking particularly dejected. And he came over and he touched me on the shoulder and he said, Mia, it's going to be okay. And it was so, I was really struck by his kindness because I, I haven't known since the election, especially in those first few days afterwards, how to approach people who I know are really happy about Donald Trump being the president. So he came over and he'd read the story I'd written in Mamma Mia about the 11 things I'd learned and he obviously read my face and and he was just really kind in the way that he spoke to me. He wasn't gloating, he wasn't rubbing it in, he really wanted to reassure me. So I walked away from that book launch and that conversation thinking, that's really interesting. It doesn't have to be, you know, us and them and enemies and, and, you know, swearing to not ever speak to each other again or shouting each other down. And he really gave me the courage and the idea to, to start this series and, and talk to people, which I'm going to continue to do. Hello. Hey, Rowan, it's Mia. Hi, Mia. How are you going? I'm okay. You know, with every passing Excellent. day, I'm getting better. <laughs> um, I'm glad to hear that. I uh, wanted to thank you for coming up to me the other day at, at, at Julia's book launch and telling me it was going to be okay. Because I, I know you from the drum. We've been on various panel shows together, maybe Paul Murray as well. But um, yeah. you're always positioned on the right and I'm always positioned on the left. Tell me what you actually do. What's your actual job besides going on the <laughs> panel shows and being right wing? <laughs> Uh, exactly. Well, my act- I have three actual jobs, Mia. One is the editor of The Spectator, which is, uh, as you know, um, The Spectator Australia is the Australian version of the UK magazine, which is a political, cultural... Uh, and is it conser- uh, it's but conservative, right? Yeah, it is conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, it, um, it's always been uh, fairly conservative, though it is it does go back to 1780 or something, our first edition. So mm. uh, it's, yeah, it's right. been many things. But I also write a column for um, 
the Financial Review, and I write a column for the Courier Mail. Do you describe yourself as a conservative or a, an alt-right uh, I crazy? Do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's interesting. I was reading uh, Paul Kelly today, and uh, he managed to get lunatic right, extreme right, hard right, and something else right, alt-right or whatever it is, all into the one column uh, about conservatives. I think the, the only reason... Yeah, I mean, if we have to have a label, if everyone has to have a label, I mean, hopefully we don't all just mm. immediately slot into um, thinking exactly the same as what our label tells us to think, mm. but maybe that's inevitable. Um, <clears throat> but I suppose uh, in the past I always regarded myself simply as um, a liberal, um, but I find myself... Uh, a capital L liberal. Age, me, uh, a, cap- <laughs> capital a capital L liberal. L liberal. Absolutely, capital right. L liberal. Yes. So right of centre, uh, okay. Yes, exactly. Uh, but I do find myself uh, drifting further to the right as I get old. Maybe that's maybe that's inevitable. I, I think know. that's an I um, think that's an age thing. But tell me what happened, Rowan. <laughs> tell me what happened. Uh, okay. Well, well, what happened? You actually put your finger on me the other day when you uh, <clears throat> when you wrote that terrific piece where you said I live in a bubble mm. um, about yourself, describing yourself. But in fact, that yeah. applies to everybody. We all live in a bubble, um, and we and that bubble is made up of our family, predominantly, uh, where we live, our town, uh, our friends, our job. All these things create the bubble that we live in. Um, so put yourself in. So the trick is to find out what is the bubble that the uh, Trump people who voted for Trump live in, and once you start to look at their bubble, a lot of it makes sense very, very quickly. Um, the basic bubble that Trump supporters uh, live in is a world, uh, you know, the world that John Cougar, Mellencamp, and even Bruce Springsteen used to sing about, which mm. is, uh, you know, the American heartland where there used to be uh, jobs, a uh, sense of pride in American um, uh, U.S. exceptionalism, if you like, uh, pride in in the U.S. as a moral uh, policeman throughout the world, pride in uh, the manufacturing success of America, whether it was cars, whether it was uh, furniture, whether it was machinery, that world started to disappear for many, many reasons about 20, 30 years ago. Uh, but the Trump supporters of what who, who live in, that's their bubble, that's their life, their family, where their parents grew up, you know, they married the girls at high school, all that sort of mm. thing that is the cliche of the American dream. They've seen the, uh, the touch points, the cornerstones, the pillars, if you like, of that world gradually just dissolve. Um, the manufacturing base has disappeared, the jobs that their parents had, that, that you know, they thought they'd go and work in the same factory or a nearby factory, those jobs have disappeared. But that's Nothing because of technology, isn't it? Not because of China. Uh, well, it's China. because of a number of... It's, it's partly because of technology, Absolutely. Um, but where Donald Trump talks about uh, free trade and changing the free trade deals, free trade is always just a, a purest ideal, if you like. It's a theory, and that theory is that if you trade with each other or on an equal basis, everybody wins because you bring your skills to the party and you bring the things that you mm. do well and, and take advantage of the things that somebody else does well, and away we go. But it's always been an economic purist theory. When you actually get to free trade deals, what they tend to be is a lot of horse trading. So what Trump has put his finger on is the fact that when the free trade deal, the big free trade deal, the North American one, NAFTA, 
this was promised to be a brave new world for America, that everyone would do well out of it. Um, mm. But what it back to our bubble that we were talking about, what the people in those in those towns in the Midwest saw was yes, they could get cheaper Bravias and yes, they could get um, you know iPhones and so on. But the big uh, the big ticket items just disappeared. The, the factories disappeared. They might have once prided themselves on making the best furniture in the world or the mm. best, uh, you know, teak cabinets or whatever it was. All those jobs disappeared to China. China got wealthier and wealthier, uh, and America sees itself getting uh, poorer and poorer. Uh, but but all, at the same time... All these things that you're talking about, though, are very rational yeah. things, right? And yes. what the fear that you saw in my eyes and the sadness and the... the deep devastation I suppose is that this seemed to be an election driven by anger and extremism on on the part of yep. Trump and sure. what terrifies me and people like me in my bubble is that people voted f- because they hate women, they hate Af- African Americans, they hate Mexicans they hate anyone who's not a white man is that true? No, that's not true at all and uh, that's that's to misread entirely what was going on. Because I don't want it to be true. No, and and it's not true, me. You don't have to worry about that. It's not true at all. Um, There were two key points that really sum up this campaign, and you're basically referring to the two of them. One was when Donald Trump announced, um, I'm going to build a wall, Mm. Uh, or a few weeks later he announced, I'm going to ban all Muslims coming into the country till we know what the hell is going on. That that was his actual quote. Mm. Both of those, the moment he said the one about banning Muslims until we figure out what the hell is going on, I said that night on TV he has just won the election. And the reason I said that is because he was the first political leader, and it doesn't matter the Mm. context, but just the first political leader to say what people were thinking but had been told they were not allowed to say or think. Mm. And that was one key moment. The flip side of that, was when Hillary Clinton referred to Trump supporters as a basket of deplorables and went on to list racist, sexist, mm. xenophobe, the Islamophobe, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. In doing in doing those two things, the flip sides of the same thing. The first was a politician saying, "I know I've been told I'm not allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway because I know people are thinking it, and if they're thinking it, they need someone to put their finger on it and say, "Yep, this is what you're thinking.'" I have a solution to your concern. That's the first thing. At the same time, Hillary Clinton was saying, there are people out there thinking things, but I'm telling them what they are thinking. They are thinking for the wrong reasons because they are bad people. Mm. So in the one nice little two sides of the same coin, basically Trump won the election and Clinton lost the election for describing people who have legitimate concerns about whatever it might be. What's your perception of political correctness? Because my perception, let me start with mine, is that it's just about being kind and fair and treating people equally. But clearly I'm understanding that the right perceives it as something more like censorship. Is that right? Absolutely. And uh, I think it's both. I think... uh, you're right and I'm right. Mm. Uh, to you, political correctness and the intention of political correctness mm. and the, the goodwill, I mean, uh, 
uh, Russell Howcroft, who you know I know from Grown Transfer, a friend of mine, he always says, assume the assume the best out of people you meet, mm. and I think that's a great I think that's a great motto. Uh, so, you know, the people who who uh, if you assume the best out of political correctness, you assume that it is there to have civilized discussion, civilized debate. Um, that uh, that uh, certain ideas and topics are just so wrong to even broach them or start to head down that path is too dangerous to do, so best avoid it. And the flip side of that is when uh, you start to label people who, who raise concerns, legitimate concerns they have, mm. for the best reasons, but concerns they have, and you don't listen to their concern, and worse than that, you don't allow them to express it, and then worse than that, you give them a sticker label on them, uh, which assumes the worst of them. How can we assume the best, Rowan, about Donald Trump based on what we've seen of his, frankly, deplorable behaviour? The deplorable things he said. I mean, sure. I think that's a fair enough sure. word to yeah, say. The, you know, the, calling the, women I, I think, pigs and disgusting and, yeah, you know. Yeah. I, look, I, I'm, I'm not going to defend Donald Trump the person. What I will say is... Uh, the great line that the, uh, I think it was the guy who runs PayPal or something, uh, said just after the election was that um, his detractors took Donald Trump literally, but not seriously, whereas mm. the heart, conservative heartland took him seriously, but not literally. And the thing about someone like Donald Trump, uh, he, he is, I just mentioned advertising, he is like an ad man. It's all big grandiose headlines to grab your attention. Build a wall. I'm going to do this. Lock her up. Do that. that, that yeah. <laughs> they're, they're big headline-grabbing words to get himself into the papers, get people talking about him. But then you actually, of course, it's not going to be a huge wall. It's going to be a fence. Of course, it's not going to be <laughs> um, banning uh, all Muslims. Uh, it's going to be stronger vetting of people coming from Syria. <laughs> so yeah, right. Like you read the fine copy and, and the big headline that caught your attention is... is is like all ads, and you know, Red Bull gives you wings. It's not you, actually true. Do you think um, his supporters will be okay with that? That they'll be, or they will want him to, they will want to hold him to his word? They won't hold him to his word on any of that. What they will really? hold him to his word on is making America great again. And making what America does that even great mean? again is a bit of, well, what does it mean? It means more jobs. Um, it means. Uh, Doesn't that mean making America stronger, white again? Making America things, like it used to be? No, when no, no, you no, could, no, 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 you know? no, no. It means bringing jobs and wealth back into the country. Now, his plan mm. to do that is lowering taxes. Will it work? Uh, we shall see. But that is what they're going to hold him to. And and so I guess I, I want you to reassure me about one more thing before we go, which is that yep. for women – you know, this whole idea of having someone that says, grab you by the pussy and that's been accused of all this sexual assault and sexual harassment. And, you know, on the night of the of his win, um, my friend who's, whose boyfriend manages a pub had to kick out five white guys in suits who were fist pumping and saying, grab them by the pussy, grab them by the pussy. Like, are we going to see a massive step back in the way that women are seen? Because we've got the leader of the free world who calls women it. You know, like, can you give me any reassurance about that and, and how that plays with his supporters? Certainly. Um, I mean, I, I definitely hope that the scenario you're, you're painting does not occur, and I don't think it will. You only have to look well, at Well, Trump's it did, but you mean more broadly. Family. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, look at his kids and look at his family. 
they don't drink, they don't take drugs. Uh, they seem, seem, from what we've seen, a lovely, charming family. You don't get uh, that out of a, an individual who is as repulsive as... <laughs> yeah, but that's because of Ivana. That, that's because of their mothers, not because of him. I mean, he doesn't sure, seem like the most involved sure. dad. <laughs> sure. But um, very easy to uh, damn a character. Um, when we look back in history, uh, there have been some pretty horrible men that have done some pretty horrible things, which I don't excuse and I think is rightly condemned. Uh, but mm. you have to judge them on their actions, less on their words. And in terms of the actions, you know, there isn't really the evidence that Donald Trump has done anything. I mean, I'm not in a position to defend him or, or well, to you attack and, him. You and I are going to have to agree to disagree on that, <laughs> except you're he wrong. He should be judged on his actions. Okay, that's fine. I'll accept that. <laughs> but w- will this... Um, see some kind of uh, outpouring of, of misogyny? I don't think so. Thank you, because um, that's what I, I wanted said. to know, because it's like we <laughs> thought, women thought, women like me in my bubble, thought that it would be enough to disqualify him. And there were obviously a, enough people who said, we don't care about that. We don't care. And that's that's personally, that's been quite personally devastating to us, because it's like people are prepared to overlook that. And in any other election, can you imagine a candidate getting away with that? But there was obviously something else about Trump that was so, I don't know, magnetic, well, attractive well, well, I, to people. I, 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 well, I wrote in, in my career mail column uh, that, uh, you know, uh, and then this is talking about his words, of grabbing the pussy words and all the rest of it, mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, you know, in the land of the free, you can actually, you can say whatever you want. That's, that's the strength of America. Uh, you might call it a weakness, but it is a strength. You can say whatever you want. And uh, most most women in America, or certainly half of them, uh, just rolled their eyes and went, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever, heard it all before. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, um, and it's, and I'm, it's I'm interesting. Sure, I'm sure over the years you've, you've seen some male behavior in pubs and elsewhere, <laughs> even outside your bubble or even inside your bubble, Mia, that you just rolled your eyes and gone, bloody hell. Yeah, you're um, right. And I guess, you, yeah, go on. And I know these people aren't running for president of the US, but at the end of the day, enough women in America went, you know, I've seen worse down at the local bar, whatever, he's just another loud mouth. More importantly, is he going to bring the, you know, bring this investment back into this country? Is he going to boost the economy for my small town and my kids and my family? Uh, and is my husband going to get another job or get off the dog queue and get a job again? That's what they were thinking. And I think, I hope that, uh, you know, in a year's time, maybe we'll have this chat again and maybe yeah. hopefully you'll be going, it wasn't as bad as I thought. <laughs> I hope so. And That's thank my you. Fervent, fervent hope. <laughs> Fingers crossed, <laughs> Rowan. Thank you. See you on the other side. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for listening to No Filter. There'll be more episodes uh, where I call up more people to explain more things over the next few days. To subscribe in iTunes, go to apple.co forward slash Mamma Mia, where you'll find all our shows in one place and any books written by the many Mamma Mia guests. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find out about our podcasts and that helps us keep making them. If you're listening on Android or want all of our shows in one place, download the Mamma Mia podcast app. It's super easy and it's very convenient and we often drop little, tasty, exclusive morsels of extra content into the app.
Please email your thoughts on this series to me. I'm really interested to know whether you'd like me to continue or not. It's podcast at mamamia.com.au. Today's show was produced by Eliza Ratliff for the Mamma Mia Women's Network. The executive producer is Monique Bowley and the head of entertainment is me, Holly Wainwright. <laughs> I just read that, except I'm not Holly Wainwright. So the executive producer is Monique Bowley and the head of entertainment is not me, but it is Holly Wainwright.